Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash, puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I am Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a couple of comic books that have come out this very day. Occasionally, we do some advanced reviews, and sometimes we cook a little bit of food, and we taste test it right here on the podcast. What? Oh, that's a new thing we're going to be trying today. I'm going to be making my famous paella. (laughs) (laughs) I've been stewing it right here. You didn't ask me why this gigantic pad was about full of rice and seafood. You've never sounded more douchey in your life (laughs) when they're talking about your paella. My paella. Oh, my God. A uh, couple of items of business. We've mentioned this the past couple of episodes, but I'm going to just keep on mentioning it before we get into the reviews. First of all, we recently did some updates on our website, and I've heard from a couple of people there have occasionally been some issues depending on what app you're using. If you're having any issues whatsoever, definitely hit us up, comicbookclublive at gmail.com. Our tech support, which is me, is willing to help you 24 hours a day, except when I'm sleeping, but I don't really sleep sleep so it's okay happy to help you whatever it just seems like uh maybe that's not okay the fact that you're no it's sleep. great i'm doing great uh, i'm making paella <laughs> oh god this paella is gonna be awful yeah it's a nice a coffee paella it keeps you up all night oh my god. uh also we post a transcript along with this episode if you want to check out a written version or pass it along uh also if you are hearing impaired or know somebody that's hearing impaired that might be interested in our comic book reviews you can pass them that transcript usually post the same time or a little bit later than the stack episodes and last but not least we have a new stack specific feed these episodes will still continue to roll out of the comic book club live feed everywhere that fine apps are sold but there is the stack specific feed as well so check that out there if you would prefer just these wednesday comic book reviews Uh, And one other thing that I will mention to give you guys a little preview, uh, we've been at the end of episodes reading the comments and questions that you guys have been leaving us on iTunes and other places. Uh, We'll be getting to a couple of those throughout the episode, specifically to address some concerns you guys might have had about our reviews. But before we get into that, let's kick it off with a big title from DC Comics, Batman Superman number one. Now... 
Yes, Pete. It's a big issue. It is a big issue. This is huge. For those of you who don't know, there's two characters. Batman is uh, he has the powers of a bat, and Superman has the powers, the powers of a, of a bat. Superintendent. What? 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 Wait, I'm sorry. Were you going to say a superintendent? No, I think you heard that wrong. Oh, okay. Don't rewind this podcast. All right. Uh, this is actually picking up from the Batman Who Laughs miniseries by Scott Snyder mm-hmm. that found the evil Batman from an altered universe infecting, spoiler kind of, Commissioner Gordon, among other people. And here, Batman and Superman are teaming up to solve a mystery that loops into the Batman Who Laughs and is going to consume the entire DC universe. What did you think about this kickoff, Pete? Well, this is, uh, first off, uh, I'm a sucker every time Batman and Superman are together. I love how they ha- interact with each other. And even though one is, a, you know, darker and more broody and kind of a douche. Superman. Uh, yeah. They they get along. You know, they're friends. Yeah. It's nice. They are. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think this is a solid enough start. It feels perfectly in line with... What Jeff Loeb set up years ago at this point with Batman Superman, where we have the dueling narrations, you get to see their different point of views. We haven't seen a lot of variation in the all of the Batman Superman titles since then. And I think that's kind of okay. It sort of makes sense because it was such a good, smart way of hitting this specific pairing. Uh, I do think the dark multiverse thing, there's a thing that's teased at the beginning of the issue This is definitely a spoiler, but there's a tease that there is a Superman who laughs as well as a Batman who laughs. Uh, I'm very curious to get to that. We get in a different place by the end of the issue, um, but that should be a lot of fun to play with as we go forward. Yeah. Uh, Cool. Well, also, the art is good. This is David Marquez is on the art for this, I believe. Yeah. Uh, He's fantastic. He's fantastic. A uh, perfect artist to pair with Joshua Williamson here, mm-hmm. so I'm very happy to see this. This is a fun title to kick off our fun stack. Yeah, it's a fun stack. There you go. Next one to talk about, this is literally one of the biggest issues of the week. Marvel Comics number 1000. This is celebrating 80 years of Marvel Comics. There was a little bit of controversy that came out earlier today, actually, as we're recording this, uh, where there was a page... Describing Captain America by Mark Wade, uh, that the text was changed. It seemed uh, in earlier versions it was a little anti-America. They brought it more in line with the overall story of the issue. But that aside, all the controversy aside, what did you think about this package, Pete? Wait, I'm wait, curious wait, wait, to get your thoughts. Wait, wait, back up the truck for a second. Was it, do you know which page was it? The the Pledge of Allegiance page. The the Captain America, the Alex Ross page, where there's text that Mark Wade had written. Oh, okay, no. yeah. No, not the Pledge of Allegiance one. Okay. Uh, What did you think about this? So uh, let me just lay out the concept for those of you who didn't pick it up. It's 80-plus pages celebrating the 80 years of Marvel continuity. Um, Al Ewing is, uh, I don't know, the quarterback for this, would you say, where he takes the bulk of the pages. Uh, But... Every single page is a different year in the history of Marvel Comics. Uh, It pays tribute to either a character debut or a crossover or a series or a big event or something like that. And there's a different artist on every page as well. So essentially, it's 80-plus creative teams tackling the story. There is a through line through it, but not completely on every page. Uh, With that preamble out of the way, what do you think, Pete? Well, yeah, each... 
it's basically one page stories. Every page is right. one page, and uh, it's kind of you know, and it's got a date in Marvel history with that page. Um, it's very creative. It's fun. It's kind of like when you get a special issue and they have a number of different stories. Some of them are going to be better than others. Uh, at first, I was like a little like, oh, is this just going to be 81 page stories? Is this going to get annoying? But I was impressed by the way it kind of uh, uh, flowed. I thought it was uh, I thought it was more enjoyable than I thought it was going to be. I I was some, uh, some of them are very heartwarming. Some of them are really kind of cutesy or whatever, but it's a lot of fun. I would say it's definitely worth checking out. I paged through it uh, numerous times, so uh, definitely was one of those things that stayed with me enough that I wanted to go back again. Did you have a favorite page? Ooh, probably the Punisher page. Yeah? Yeah. That's a shocker. Yeah. It's the really... one by Matthew Rosenberg. Yep. Rosenberg that, is killing right now. That was a pretty solid Punisher page. Uh, for my money, the best one was Dan Slott and Marcos Martin on Spider-Man. There's a beautiful little one-page story about him fighting Dr. Octopus. It ties into the death of Uncle Ben in, I think it's uh, four panels, something like that. It says everything you need to know about Spider-Man, and I thought that was just great. Plus, Marcos Martina on art is awesome. And there was also, you know, this is not like a new idea, but really kind of exploring just the hero versus villain. It's Iron Man versus Doom, and it's like, you know, after their battle, what happens? Tony walks in the door, was like, hey, Tony, loved ones, everyone's around Doom just by himself, just sitting there by himself. Yeah. Uh, overall, though, I think this was a little bit of a miss for me, oh. this issue. Uh, I think it's certainly worth it in terms of, wow, there's some amazing roster of artists. There's an amazing roster of writers as well. Certainly, you could point to the fact that there is a significant lack of women involved in this issue as a huge bummer. But just on a logistical level, it felt like it pulled back from what it could have been. And what I mean by that is you have these fun pages that explore moments in Marvel history, like the Spider-Man page that encapsulates Spider-Man, the Punisher page that encapsulates Punisher. But as it went on, there's a couple of things that are happening all at the same time. I think I know what you're talking about. Yes. You were really upset by the Wolverine Punisher talking about baths, right? Yeah, 100%. Thank you for zeroing in on it. Yeah, no problem. I actually do think that was one of the first pages where I started to feel at least one of my major criticisms of this issue was that was celebrating like the fourth issue of some random miniseries, which might have been important to one of the writers, and I get that. I certainly wasn't in the room to hear when they were pitching these things, but it did feel like... There are so many things that have happened over 80 years of Marvel history. Why are you going for these random niche things that people only vaguely remember? Yeah. You know? So that's one criticism I have of it. Uh, the second criticism, and that particularly happens in like the last 20 years or so, where it feels like they ran out of milestones. The bigger criticism I have is there's a very ambitious thing that Al Ewing is doing in this title, and some of the other pages touch on this a little bit. He is building this Uber story that's going to pay out throughout the Marvel Universe coming up, where... He introduces or reintroduces a couple of different characters, including the wearer of the Eternity Mask. The way the Eternity Mask Uh, works, it's a piece of the being Eternity, and it gives you power equal to the person you're fighting. 
Like, it doesn't make you super strong necessarily. It just makes you the equal of whatever adversary you're facing. So he builds up this massive battle that's gone throughout the history of the Marvel Universe and beyond between the wearer of the Eternity Mask, which has changed over time, and the Enclave, which is the organization that created Adam Warlock. So that's a neat story, but while that is occasionally going on, There's also these interview segments that right now at least don't make a lot of sense because some of them are unmasked, like Spider-Man is being interviewed and unmasked. And that turns out that is the current bearer of the Eternity Mask is interviewing these people. But then there's also other pages that don't match it at all, that are just there because they wanted to get the creative teams. And because all of these things are going on at the same time, it felt to me, it felt discombobulated, basically. It felt like... If they had created an 80-page story that every page was a different milestone in the history of Marvel Comics, all telling this uber story of the Eternity Mask versus the Enclave, that's super cool. Or if you just do 80 pages, 80 pages tribute, that's pretty cool on its own. But trying to do all of these things at once, it doesn't really add up to a cohesive package in any particular way. Yeah. Did you get that feeling at all? Well, I definitely thought it was some. I felt like there was some uh, chess pieces being moved on the board, as well as some dumb stuff. And I was like, "What is? What's happening?" Uh, but yeah, I, I you know I didn't know we. I didn't think we needed to take time out to be like, "Hey, remember the time that Wolverine and Punisher admitted they both like baths?" Boy, that really stuck in your craw. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's other things that happen. Did they take baths with each other? No, they did Bubble baths? Yeah, they talked about how bath bombs are cool. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I just think that, like, there were times where <laughs> like I was like, bath oh. bombs and bath guns. <laughs> uh, I think there were times where I was like, oh, I, I see what they're doing. And then there were times where I was like, wait, what's happening here? Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a cool idea. I gave them the benefit of the doubt. Sure. It's always good when you try new things. Yep. Um, looking forward to reading the 90th anniversary issue oh, as well. Yeah, that was going to be years. so much better, dude. Uh, that's going to be great. Moving on to an image comic book, Ascender number five. We've been loving this book. This is the sequel series to Descender, where the first series was sci-fi. This is magic with a little bit of sci-fi. There is an evil being called Mother that has taken over most of the entire galaxy with her army of fantasy creatures. Some of our characters from Descender are trying to escape from her. They're on the run. Uh, and this issue very briefly it looks like one of the characters dies uh when that character got killed on screen i gasped like i gasped out loud and i think to me that is testament to how involved in these characters lives i become yeah also, you had to wait till after the credits to see what happened. Yeah. Uh, this series is so good. The art is so good. Uh, the uh, yeah, character I mean, work is so good. It's great. Dustin uh, Nugent's art is just unbelievable. Win. Dustin Win. Sorry. No, that's fine. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Definitely pick up the series. Next one we're going to talk about, this is one of the big ones. Pete does not want to get into this, but I'm going to make him get into it anyway. Uh, We're going to talk about House of X number three. But before we talk about House of X number three, uh, Pete, I want to read a comment from iTunes Mm -hmm. to you. This is uh, from August 21st. Sleestrax left it. Great, except for three stars. The guy hating on Hawksbox. 
He is just annoying. I get having a different opinion, but he just seems like a troll. Yeah. And then we got another comment on the website, which is a little different, but clarifies some stuff. Uh, This is from Johnny L. Wilson left on the website. On two recent podcasts, I heard you guys question the name of the character Nimrod, confusing it with Doofus. I believe the character's name is a reference to the Bible character mentioned to the book of Genesis. He is listed as a mighty hunter. Maybe that hint will keep Justin from complaining. I assume he means you, Pete, not Justin. Well, we were doing a bit about the name. Yeah. I mean, nothing's going to stop Justin from complaining. (laughs) <laughs> Certainly. Uh, and just to read the second part of the comment, it's a little less relevant to the discussion we're about to have. Uh, the only thing I regret about listening to the cast is that my local comic shop closed down and the next closest doesn't carry most of the books that sound really interesting. I just subscribed to Comixology, except I don't enjoy comics on screen as much as I enjoy piling stacks in my basement. Uh, Johnny, thank you for that. I think you're 100% correct about Nimrod and the name there. Um, I also agree you're a big fan of print comics, right, Pete? Well, yeah. I mean, it's a thing. uh, It's a real issue, especially with me, where it's like uh, uh, I'm old school. I like having something in my hand. I like to read it, take my time with it on the screen. It's just it's uh, more stressful than relaxing to me. I don't get this. Yeah, and it's hard because it's like I live in New York City, so space is really important, and I'm just being buried alive by my comic books. So, like, reading them on screen, definitely not as enjoyable, but, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do to stay current. But, yeah, the struggle is real, man. The struggle is real. It's, uh, you know, the things we sacrifice for the things that we like. And, uh, yeah, I I understand what you're saying about reading things online. Some people, uh, I think... It's not a big deal, and that's great. I wish I was one of those people, but I just have such a better experiencing experience with it when I can hold it and read it that way. Uh, sorry, I, I wasn't listening. I was busy stirring my paella, trying to scrape sure. off some of the burnt rice on the bottom. Uh, but I do want to get back to the Hawksbox thing. Now, Sleestrack, uh, first of all, I would take a little exception to giving us three stars given that we have several hundred episodes of the podcast and like five of them so far have had one review about a comic, but obviously you're entitled to your opinion. And I did think this was a good opportunity to talk about house of X powers of X slash powers of Ted, uh, because we have been going back and forth about it. And I love these series so far. Mm-hmm. You, they're not grabbing you. Yeah. Right. And I think I wanted to get a sense Beyond the whole troll of it, because we certainly do err on the side of bits on the show. Yeah, I mean, we're we're comedians. We're trying to make this fun. You know, we're, you know that was the kind of the thing of why we started doing this is like, you know, sometimes panels can be super boring. Uh, we try to keep things fun and entertaining to listen to. So sometimes our bits do get away. Uh, but yeah, the the feelings and stuff. You know, we we have different opinions about comics, and I, I kind of think that's fun uh, doing bits about it. But uh, but I, as you know, I don't like bits, and yeah. I'm always serious about everything, such mm-hmm. as this paella that I'm making right now. Yeah. Uh, but I did actually think this was an opportunity. I am certainly curious because I, and I know a lot of other people, find this era of the X-Men so exciting, so well done, so well structured, but it's definitely not beyond all the bits grabbing you, mm-hmm. and I'm curious to hear why. What what is it about it that's not working for you? Right well, now? what's tough is um, to me it, it, it has a tone of like we're the X Men, 
we're not going to stay and fight for you humans who we like and are, are, are doing the right thing by sticking up for mutants and mutant rights. We're going to leave. We're going to take all of our stuff and we're going to leave you guys to yourselves. And that to me has like a negative connotation. And I don't like that choice for my X-Men. I want my X-Men to stay and fight for me. Uh, and we can all live happily together. Hopefully to, uh, we get to a certain point where that can uh, humans and mutants can live together. Uh, but yeah, the fact that they have this plan and the humans are not being treated well, uh, you know, justifiably, you know, we we do awful things to mutants as well. So like, it's this thing for me where it's like the fact that we're not trying to work it out anymore. We're saying, fuck you. We're out of here. We've got this separate plan and we're going to give you drugs to make deals with you is what strikes me with a negative connotation. But uh, the story is a bigger story than that. There's a lot of things going on. Um, I just, um, I don't like the tone that it, that it has to it. It's this negative tone. And I also don't like to see people that I uh, like in my comic books, Wolverine being one of them, uh, being on this team where I don't know if they're good guys or bad guys, and I don't know who to root for. And I also don't know what's happening as far as with all the different timelines and how uh, one lady has lived many lives. And because of that, we're doing what she wants to do. Uh, so I don't know. There's, there's not enough answers for me to get excited about this series. This series for me is more annoying than fun because it's broken up in the three timelines. And that's something like, you know, through, I read so many comics and comics got to make creative choices as far as how they want to tell the story. And sometimes jumping around in time is a way, great way to get to readers' attention right away. Um, but uh, sometimes that can also fall flat if you don't like what's happening in the very beginning. So for me, it's a little bit of annoying because it's three separate timelines happening at once. And there's a team which I don't know if they're doing good or bad. It seems like it's not good. And then there's a dude named Nimrod. So you you lose me on three different fronts there. So that's why it doesn't speak as well to me. Well, I, I think that's uh, that's well said, and that those points are well taken. And I don't actually think that's beyond what you're actually supposed to be feeling at this point in time with this run. Um, certainly it's hit you a lot harder than say it has me, for mm -hmm. example, but I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, just to address two things, uh, Johnny L. Wilson, our good friend from the website, I think addressed the Nimrod thing, which I get, uh, but it is a biblical illusion. So that's what they're going for there. Cool. Uh, so you love the Bible. Uh, yeah, I you got read no, it every night before you go to sleep. I got nothing wrong with the Bible. <laughs> you know, it's just if you're going to have a main character named Nimrod, I'm going to make fun of it. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I do want to talk about the first thing you said, though, about being unsure what's going on with the X-Men right now. So this past weekend, we were in Philadelphia at Keystone Comic Con. <laughs> yes, we were. Uh, I'm explaining to the people who are listening. You know where we were, Pete. Yep. Uh, so we were at Keystone Comic Con. Uh, and while I was waiting for you guys to go out there, I was with my family. And we were like, hey, we're in a comic convention most of this time looking at, you know, the real history, by which I mean the Infinity stuff. Stones, what's going on with Harry Potter? 
the Marvel Cinematic Universe, et cetera. You know, real history. Mm -hmm. But let's go look at this fake history out there in Philadelphia where we are because we have the morning and it's very nice weather. Uh, so we walked over uh, to the historic district to Old Town in Philadelphia. Uh, and the first thing we walked up to was the Liberty Bell. Nice. Uh, and the way that they have it set out, if you haven't been to that probably since you're a little kid or a student or anything like that, uh, is before you can get to the Liberty Bell, you walk through a whole museum of the history of the Liberty Bell. So you understand the weight of it. You understand why it is important as a symbol. And frankly, my daughter, the entire time uh, we were walking over there, was uh, singing a parody she had made up of Old Town Road called Old Cracked Bell that went, I don't know why my parents want to see this old cracked bell. It's very funny. <laughs> She's a very funny kid. Uh, but we were trying to explain to her as parents, being like, no, it's not just an old cracked bell. It has all this history behind it. And I think by the time she got there, she understood it. But the thing that struck me as we were walking through it, and I was talking to her, and she was starting to wrap her mind around the history of the American Revolution, which she'd already heard, is... She was asking questions about King George III. Well, wait, was he a bad guy? How, why was he a bad guy? And the thing that I started to think about while I was explaining it to her was at the time, he wasn't necessarily, right? Like, he was cracking down in terms of taxes. But if you think about it from his perspective, it's, well, this is my property, I'm keeping these colonies. These are my property. And these people who are creating this violence and rising up against me, they are the bad guys in this scenario. But ultimately, as American history, as Americans, we look at this, we look, no, he was the bad guy. We won. We gained our independence. That was the good thing at the end. But that's always true of all points in history. It's hard to tell when you are in the thing exactly who the good guys and the bad guys are until you have that distance on it. And the reason I bring this up, I'm sure you can tell, is I think that's the point we're in right now with the story that Jonathan Hickman is telling on X-Men, that we are at the beginning of this where uh, we talked about this on the show the other day. I think it was Abraham Reisman, our, uh, Reisman, our guest, brought up that there's certainly a lot of shades of Zionism, of forming the state of Israel that are going on there. And if you study that history, like I did when I was in Hebrew high school and Hebrew school, uh, that was pretty fraught. I mean, it's still pretty fraught, but certainly at the beginning, people are like, what are you doing taking over this land? We're going to take it back from you. They're fighting. Depending on, again, what perspective you're looking at it, it's hard to tell who the good guys are, or the bad guys are here. I think the thing that complicates it even more, which we've talked about on the podcast, on the stack, for the very first issue, is there's that very weird panel that kicks it off where Professor X seems to be hatching a bunch of X-Men out of Krakoa eggs and saying to me, my X-Men, which is extremely ominous. So there's this Paul hanging over the entire thing right now where, to your point, I don't think we know who is good or bad. We look at the X-Men as, oh, these are the heroes we have followed. Yes, they are probably the good guys, but that's not 100% clear to your point the way that they're acting, and I don't think we're going to have the sense of which side they're actually falling on and who we're supposed to believe until we get to the end of this story. That's the long thing that I was getting around to is I understand what you're saying, but I think that's what you're supposed to feel. Cool. <laughs> Pete, no, just uh, yeah, all of that, and you're like, no thanks, still. Yeah, I mean, sure, yeah, I hope it does, you know, make more sense, and 
uh, we kind of see all that, and you know, it's set up to be that. It's it's not about it making sense. I mean, I think it does make sense. It's about piecing out the information bit by bit, and we don't have a sense of the whole story yet. Right. But it comes out in individual issues. Sure. And we have a show where we review individual issues. Right. So until I can kind of get a sense of how my team's doing, I can say, you know what, I don't like where we're at, guys. It seems a little shady. <laughs> All right. That, to me, is a much more fair estimation than the way we've been going right now. Well, X-Men, a little shady. Yeah. Speaking of which... Let's talk. That was all preamble to actually talk about House of X number three that comes out today. Yeah. Uh, so I was actually very curious to hear what you thought about this, because this is the first issue where we get to see this new iteration of the X-Men acting like a team and going on a mission. Mm -hmm. Specifically here, we pick up with Cyclops. He's been tasked by Mag your favorite character, by Magneto and Xavier, to head up to the Mother Mold. Wait, wait. Yes. So you're saying the dude with the X head is definitely Xavier? That's what you're saying? I'm still not convinced, okay. but I, I'm just for the sake of clarity, I'm saying it's Xavier. All right, well, we don't They're know. Acted, uh, to your point, they're all acted super weird in this issue. Yeah. Like, very weird. Mm -hmm. uh, which made me even more suspicious than I usually was about what's been going on here. But just going with it, you have Cyclops taking these X-Men on a mission to take care of a mother mold, which is a uh, giant sentinel head that creates master molds, which create more sentinels. And they believe that if the mother mold goes online, it is going to create Nimrod, the hunter from the Bible, uh, and lead to the robot apocalypse, essentially. So they're aiming to stop that. So Terminator. So, yeah, Terminator. Yeah. Uh, and on the other side are these humans, uh, the Orcus project that has been building and trying to get the Mother Mold online. What do you think about this issue? Uh. <laughs> Pete. <laughs> just real simply, real simply, with all, all this weight behind you, just real simple. It sucks. So, uh, what? You're ridiculous. <laughs> yep. Oh, my God. It definitely doesn't, first of all, but sure. go on. Cool. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I just, uh, you know, we have Cyclops, and I'm putting Cyclops in quotes because he is the leader, which I don't, I wouldn't follow him. You also a, put that in quotes. Yeah, I wouldn't follow him to a grocery store. Um, he's like, do you usually need to be led to a grocery store? If I'm not in a new place, then I've never been to said grocery Don't store. Don't you just follow the pie smells, or what do you do there? <laughs> usually, yeah. yeah I just waft. follow my nose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, but, uh, so he's like, hey, guys, we're going on this mission, and uh, we have no backup plans because, you know, maybe people can read mine. So cool. Everybody, let's roll. And it's like... The team obviously is like, wait a sec, this doesn't seem right. Like, And they get into a lot of talking. Well, what if they can read minds? Well, what about all the humans on the ship? Do we have to kill them too? And it's like, yeah, this is seems like a shady plan, but okay, Cyclops are rolling with you. And again, it's this lack of information that I don't, I like to read a comic book and know who I'm rooting for. And I, you can't do that with this. Here's what is exciting me about that aspect of it. Very rarely do comics have reread value? Mm -hmm. And I think right now, with every subsequent issue of House of X, Powers of X, you could go back and read the entire run and get new information and new contextualization for what's been going on. And I think that's very cool. It is cool. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Agreed. I'll say that's cool. Yeah. Uh, but also, let me ask you something. 
Uh, when you read when you read a comic, what do we get? We get like thirty two pages, something like that. We yeah, get, something like that. Yeah, cool. And then you get like whole pages in this one in particular. It's all white with little bit of text. So yeah. we're getting robbed of pages. No, we're not getting robbed of pages. There's yeah, a ton of story that's going on here. There's the whole attack on the mother mold. There's also Emma Frost getting Sabretooth out of prison. Yeah, and there's also parts where they repeat things people said because in case we didn't read it the first time. Well, did you read it the first time? Yeah. <laughs> what? That's so unlike you, Pete. Usually you skip the No, text but pages. it happened in the comic book, and then they repeat it in the white text. And be right. like, oh, more powerful. But then they elaborate on it more. This uh, this issue actually, it was interesting to me that there was so much repetitive information uh, because yeah, I don't know. But I liked it. <laughs> Good, you keep liking it. I keep liking it. You keep not liking it. Yeah, great discussion. It would be it would be very impressive though if by the end of this, I am blown away by uh, how well. I like it, and then I can go back and reread it. Yeah. I I get the sense, and I, I could be vastly wrong, but I get the sense of a couple of things with this issue. One, there's, again, something going on with Cyclops, Xavier, and Magneto. We still don't know the extent of what Xavier, Magneto, and Moira have been planning, like what went on there. We don't know what happened in Moira's sixth life. That's information that's been left out. Um I, I'm still iffy on this being the actual Marvel universe at this point, honestly. Yeah. Like I it doesn't think, feel like it. I think there's a chance that the end of these dual series, Moira dies again, or alternately, that Moira dies again, and then we need to start at the beginning with the knowledge of what's gone on, knowing this is coming somewhere down the road. So that's weighing over them. Weird. I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll uh, see. That's my suspicion at this point. Uh, is I think we're going to get not a reset, but like. But what do you think about the reveal in this issue of where their like secret Zen place is? It's on the moon. They they mentioned that in the first issue. Oh, I didn't catch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were planting a cocoa flower on the moon. Oh, right. Issue. Yeah, yes. but they get you get to see it all. It was grow. pretty cool yeah. seeing them fly off the moon. I like that. Yeah, love the moon. Let's move on to a dynamite comic that I think is going to be a little less controversial on this podcast. Vampirella Red Sonia number one. Uh, this is bringing together two ladies of dynamite comics. Uh, what did you think about this issue, Pete? Well, what I liked about it was it wasn't about their bodies it was actually a story it had a lot of kind of cool stuff going on it's not just tna for tna's sake it's uh i was really impressed with this comic it's we have vampirella who's trying to get to the bottom of this mystery and it turns out at the bottom of this mystery uh spoilers is red sonia so like cool i a lot of the Dynamite titles that we read are like that, though. And I do think in a weird way, even though their covers are, you know, very beautiful most of the time, I think they do them a disservice by putting the TNA up front and then these great stories yeah. behind them. Because a regular comic book reader, if you're picking it up for TNA and you're like, yeah, I'm going to finally see some boobs in a comic book. Oh, I'm very excited. 
You're not getting that inside. But if you're the sort of person who wants to read the story, which is about Vampirella going to Russia to investigate a mystery and trying to find a creature that is like her, also a vampire, and ultimately, spoiler, discovering yet Red Sonia, it's very well told. It's fun to read throughout. The art is great. It doesn't match what's going on on the cover at all. And that's a bummer. I, I wish they would have the confidence to match it up more, you know? Yeah. There you go. Uh, Pick that up. Moving on to a Boom Studios book, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Chosen Ones, number one. This is basically tales of the Slayer. They used to do that back in the Dark Horse days. This is kind of the same sort of thing, showing different Slayers throughout the ages with the new continuity that they set up with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I've been enjoying this comic. I know you've been a little iffy about it uh, in total. What would you think about this one? This was a really fun issue. I really like this issue a lot. We got to kind of bounce around. Did you just fall asleep for a second? What just happened? No, I uh, just kind of had you to, had a heart attack. Yeah, I had a mini <laughs> stroke. A quick, yeah, quick just one. a mini stroke. Cool. Uh, realizing I could die talking about Buffy, and uh, yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, yeah, I felt like this was a very kind of like I enjoyed it. I thought it was enough action to kind of keep the story going, and I, I liked how in different time periods we had different artists. So it was like I like when they're. Uh, making artistic choices instead of it being like, oh, we don't have this artist anymore. We have to get a new artist. So it was, uh, I thought that was enjoyable. A lot of great action as well. Yeah, I like these stories quite a bit. Uh, the middle story, which takes place, I guess, in a Victorian era, uh, something like that with a little kid, uh, that was one of my favorite ones of the three. Um, but overall, they're very solid. If you're a fan of Vampire Slayer and Buffy and everything, uh, I think you'll very much enjoy this. Here's another Marvel comic book, Absolute Carnage, number two. Cletus Cassidy is taking over the Marvel Universe. When we last left them, Venom and Spider-Man had teamed up trying to get Norman Osborn before Carnage could take over his uh, symbiote, his little piece of a symbiote that's left inside of him. Uh, And meanwhile, Carnages are running amok all over New York City. In the rain, as usual, <laughs> as you do. Uh, Pete, how are you feeling about this? This is great. I like how this event is moving forward. It's really showing the danger. You're really feeling it uh, for Venom and Spider-Man. It doesn't look good for them. Uh, and, yeah, it's kind of fun to see Venom and Spider-Man interact. Uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I really enjoyed the interaction between Cletus Cassidy and Norman Osborn oh, yeah. in this issue. And there's a little tease that though Norman Osborn is essentially below Carnage, he's not going to stand for that. Nope. And I'm looking forward to that quite a bit. I'm looking forward to a throwdown between them. The art that Ryan Stegman is doing on this title oh, is great, so creepy, and gross, and uh, everything. Uh, the moment at the end, I don't want to spoil it, but what happens to one of the characters is very upsetting. Uh, th- this is fun. This is good. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, and the writing is also really great. Yeah, Donny Cates doing a good job. Uh, another one coming out September 18th from Archie Comics. Archie don't spoil 1955, it, dude. number one. I'm going to spoil the shit out dude. of it. Just you wait. Oh, man. Archie has red hair. Oh, oh dude. Like you the re- tomato sauce in my paella. <laughs> You don't put tomato sauce. Sure you do. A little tomato sauce. I don't know. Some rice. (laughs) Some seafood. Oh, my God. I'm I'm the chef here, buddy. Yeah. So it's fine. Uh, The people who actually 
make things in kitchens who listen to our show are probably murdering themselves right now. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Yeah. That's an extreme reaction to what just happened. Don't do that over our comic book podcast. Archie 1955, this is taking back Archie to the dawn of rock and roll in this issue where the previous miniseries, Archie 1941, took him to war. Uh, this is, again, dealing with a semi-serious subject for Archie Comics. I know you're a little 50-50 about some of the Archie books. What would you think about this one, Pete? Yeah, this is a little bit more uh, of an old-timey Archie for me. Um, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's not as a good thing. Really? I like the more Riverdale Archie. Oh, okay. where I'm living. More uh, murder. No, a little bit, just a little bit more updated. Uh, you know, more murder. Uh, sure. Fine. In the modern world, there's more murder. Sure. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Versus 1955. Oh, man. Did you know nobody got killed in 1955? That's not true. Yeah. That's not true. Look up the stats. Yeah. I'm sure that plenty of people died. I, I like this. I thought the characterizations were good. I think Mark Wade, who's been writing this, has been doing a good job of translating the characters to these different eras. I'd be very curious to see, A, what happens with this, because I think there's some interesting things set up here uh, right at the beginning, uh, but also after this mini series, I want to see a 60s-based one. I want to see a 70s-based one. I want to see him uh, take it through the eras, because... Wow, uh, the, look at you. The characters are so translatable. 60s, 70s, and today. Yeah, exactly. You know, all of the modern music. Yeah. Uh, all right. Justice League number 30 from DC Comics. Two big things happening this issue. Holy crap. First thing is it's kicking off the Justice League Doom War that's been building over the course of this run. And then there's a big, well, it would have been a surprise, but it actually dropped online the day before the comic came out. Uh, what happens on the final page? But I... I don't usually geek out about characters returning. I got so excited about that last page of the issue, Pete. But really? Yes. But before we get into that, uh, how'd you feel about the kickoff of the Justice League Doom War? Well, what's great is the we've had a lot building up to this, and uh, I think it delivers. I think it the stakes are very high right now with what's going on, and uh, you know it's not looking good for our team. You know, and uh, it's intense, and I'm excited to see how this is all going to unfold. Kind of, this is the year of the villain, and I feel like they're um, they're really doing a job uh, of bringing this all together in kind of a fun way. Uh, yeah, I like this quite a bit. This is Scott Snyder and James Tyne the Fourth uh, teaming up to they're write this team. issue. They're great together. The uh, Stakes are ludicrously high at this point. It's the fate of all of the multiverses and everything. Um, but I think they've done a good job with it. They're building up this new corner of DC mythology uh, that builds on everything that's happened before. It's big, it's bold, but it doesn't. It also takes time to have fun. The character of Jaro, the little piece of star yeah. starfish, <laughs> who uh, says he. So they're sending two teams: one to the past, one to the future, mm-hmm. to get different pieces of the totality. This piece of the source wall mm-hmm. that they think is going to turn the tide to justice. It's a very typical high stakes thing where okay we've got three teams everybody has your missions oh no things immediately went wrong but the way that they set it up the future is fun that they go to the past here's the spoiler three two one justice society is back yeah i love it classic lineup of the justice oh. society so much fun 
Yeah. It's great. Uh, but the thing with Charo is as Batman is leaving, he's like, okay, bye-bye. Tell any Robins you meet who's the best Robin. That's me. <laughs> it's just to have a fun little bit in the middle of this and also take the time for character stuff throughout, which they do, is just so impressive. It's great stuff. Next up, Pete, let's talk about the best issue of the week. Are you ready? Yep. You know what it is? Nope. Power Pack, oh, Grow Up, here we go. number one. Yeah. Pete, I swear to God, I lost my mind reading this <laughs> issue. <laughs> I loved it so much, so much. As a Power Pack fan, this was absolute perfection. I, As I kept reading this book, I was like, did they write this just for me? <laughs> Is this just for me? <laughs> well, that's got to be a great feeling. It was such a good feeling. Like, I was giggling by the end because this is uh, reuniting the Power Pack team, uh, reuniting the classic team of uh, Louise Simonson and June Brigman. Uh, the backup story is by Louise Simonson and Gary Hyru, who I dearly love as well. Uh, and throughout the issue, I'll just straight up spoil the whole thing. So it's classic Power Pack. It's young Power Pack at the ages they were back when the comic book was originally coming out versus these semi-adult power packs that are running around the Marvel Universe now. They go to a Lila Cheney concert <laughs> in Central Park. Who shows up? Kitty Pride shows up. Classic <laughs> Kitty Pride with Wolverine, who's like, hey, I'm the old normal Wolverine. It's right, the- who has a stick of gum that looks like he's smoking a cigarette. Oh, my it's- God. Oh, I loved it. They fight the brood. Friday shows up, the Carmelians show up, uh, and then uh, the whole thing, the whole package from front to back. I was so happy reading this. It gave me such intense pleasure. I wish people could see your face right now. You are <laughs> beaming. I, it, it's wonderful. Like, as that is, the, those are the titles that I read growing up. Those are the things that I think of. Like, that is the, for me, I understand characters need to grow and change, but I particularly, I know you're a big fan of Wolverine. I didn't realize how much I missed that iteration of Wolverine. Like, I love that iteration of Wolverine where he's like, he's not grumpy and moody and be like, I've seen so much. Uh, Because he has. Because he has. But when he was palling around with Kitty Pride, having a little bit of fun, kind of just like, you'd always find him be like, I'm standing by a tree, leading on it with one foot up. Hey, how's it going there? That's the way you discover him all the time. And that's how he shows up in this issue. It's perfect from front to back. And just that the story is very simple and emotionally told and very sweet throughout. Great. Loved it. I'm so glad you had so much fun with this. Yeah. (laughs) So great. So happy for you that they can make a comic just for you. And you loved it so much. I loved it. What what did you think of it, Pete? I, Tell me honestly, Pete, but don't say I tried to read it like three or four times. It was so... <laughs> it was just so boring. I, oh, uh, no. I was like, oh. Oh, no. I, I was like, I'm sure this is for somebody. It's for me. <laughs> it was for me. <laughs> well, I'm very happy for you. Oh, uh, it was great. Uh, all, all my Power Pack fans out there, I hope you were as happy as I was because this was a delight from start to You even to had finish. the unicorn, unicorn guy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. 
loved it. Let's move on to something that's a diametric opposite. Black Science, number 42, from Image Comics. This is the second-to-last issue oh, of the man. title. Uh, everything has come down to this. Uh, the multiverse has been collapsed into one quote-unquote perfect universe. And, of course, it all ends up destroyed in this issue. How are you feeling going into the final lap here? Well, this is great. I mean, uh, we kind of get to see... Some fun action, and, uh, you know, our main character has to do something, and now he's on the run, so it's uh, it's very intense. Uh, and I'm, I've just been super impressed with this title overall, how creative it is, how dark it is, how uh, stakes are high and also insane. Uh, it's a very, very creative book, and it's uh, going to be sad to see it uh, end. Yeah, I'm very curious to see how they end it, in yeah. particular because... This issue actually splits things into two different universes, seemingly. Yep. One where everything's going wrong and one where everything is kind of staying right. Yeah. I'm a little nervous how that's going to pan out because Rick Remender has a tendency to not give his characters even anywhere close to happy endings. No, he'll kill his babies. Yeah, you think Grant McKay is like, he's going to figure it out. He's going to figure out how to save the multiverse. I don't know who he is. Yeah. I'm really not sure. I'm very nervous going into this issue, but... Uh, Great stuff, particularly if you're a fan of the series. Let's move on and talk about Ice Cream Man, number 14, oh, also from man. Image Comics. Another totally effed up issue of this book. This one focuses on crossword puzzles. Uh, if you haven't been following this book, and this is absolutely one of our favorite current books on the show. Yep. This is a semi-horror anthology with some uh, plot things that are weaved throughout about a evil demonic ice cream man who comes into people's lives and totally screws them up like a vindictive crypt keeper. And here we get to see a couple that has a dark moment in their past who are trying to get past and deal with it in very different ways and what they encounter here. Uh, there is an emotional moment about halfway three quarters of the way through this issue that punched me right in the gut. Cause you're, Punch. you're a big fan of puzzles and like, and I was like, oh, they solved it. I love it. Yeah. No, there's a, there's a thing that's revealed about the couple that I don't want to spoil here uh, and what happened in their past that completely got me. Uh, it's so good, so well done. How do yeah. you feel about this issue? Yeah, I mean, every single issue, it's you have no idea where you're going to get the last issue. You could read it back to forth. Uh, it was like this. It was a palindrome. Yeah, and it was just really, really cool and very creative. And I was like, man, how are they going to top this? That one, they did it with a crossword. Uh, yeah, just um, super creative and really fun use of panels. And, uh, and I also wonder if the puzzle at the end there with all the blanks, if, like, if that's going to come into play later. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to tell what is going to come back or not in this comic book. But that's one of the exciting things about it is, like you were saying, you open up the cover and you have no idea what you're going to get yeah, issue no to idea. issue. And that's exciting. Yeah. It's great. There's also a good guy in there, too. Yes, there is. It's not just an evil ice cream man. Yeah, there's also the a cowboy. good paella man, I think is what he is. <laughs> Something like that. Oh, my God. Uh, there's uh, Also, we should mention, this is not for kids. This is very violent, very disturbing at points. Yeah. But what a I would good say it's comic. a horror comic. You're saying semi-horror. Like, sometimes it's not as horrific, but there always is fucked up shit happening. Yeah, that's fair. 
Here's uh, another Marvel comic book, Spider-Man Life Story number six. This is wrapping up Chip Zdarsky's run where he took Spider-Man and each issue moved him forward through the decades. Uh, This brings us up to the modern day and we get uh, a touch on one of Pete's favorite stories, Superior Spider-Man here. How'd you feel about the series as a whole? How'd you feel about this issue? The Superior Spider-Man of it all aside. Yeah, I didn't... uh... I don't. So you have Doc Ock trying to be a hero again in a in a bad way, and uh, it's just one of those things where it uh, it's frustrating because it brings you back to a comic, a time in comics that you either were like, "Oh, this is cool, Superior Spider-Man is great," or if you're like me, you're like, "Why? Why would you? Why would you <laughs> why rip would you open that wound uh, for me to bleed from that again?" So not enjoyable. Uh, but the art is great. Some fun storytelling. But, uh, yeah, I did not enjoy it. I was overall really impressed with this miniseries, the way that Chip Zdarsky touched on major uh, points from each of these different decades and made it make sense as a cohesive story over the course of the six issues. You know, if you compare it to, say, Marvel 1000 and the way that we were talking about that, where it wasn't exactly cohesive unless you just look at the Al Ewing pages and that's it. Uh, here, he did make a, find a way to make it work, did hit on the actual major touch points from each decade. I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, I like this a lot. And Mark Bagley on art, of course, art is, is always great. great. Next one to talk about from DC Comics again, Superman number 14, This isn't a huge shocker, but another team comes back towards the end here. Turns out, this is a big spoiler for this whole thing, this whole story Brian Michael Bendis has been telling, the Unity saga, what that means is that Superman brings the family of Cal, the survivors of Krypton, together to confront everybody in the entire universe and say, you guys got to come together in oh, let's say sort of like a federation of planets type thing. And as soon as that happens, the Legion of Superheroes shows up and is like, hey, guys, this is Unity Day. You did it. You created a cohesive universe. That's where we, the Legion, come from. Isn't that super cool? There's a lot going on in this comic book. I... How did you feel about it? I'm curious to hear from you first. Well, first off, uh, you got um, Superman... So when you're drawing Superman, there's a couple things for me. Like, there is, like, classic kind of Superman drawing where you're like, okay, this is a little bit old-timey. This is the kind of style that I got used to. But, like, uh, I don't know. But having that kind of, like, Superman, especially early in the comic, it, it there was Wait, certain what panels. what kind of Superman? It's just the panels looked a little weird. It was like a okay. B-movie Superman is what I felt like I was looking at. It didn't really feel like... I was reading a Superman comic, and the art can really pull you out of his stories sometimes. And for me, that was a little weird to see Superman looking like that. I didn't really have a problem with the art. This is by Ivan Rice, who every time I hear his name, I I sing it in my head to the tune of Edelweiss from... (laughs) What? Ivan Rice, Ivan Rice. No? Nope. No? Okay. Sound of music? No? Nope. Oh, okay. Uh, Anyway, I did have a problem with the art here. I had a little bit of a problem with the writing. It felt like it was trying to take on too many things and ended up feeling very super rushed because... I'm wondering if he's got something he's trying to get to and he's just trying to get through this. I'm not sure because it felt like this whole thing was just to get uh, John Kent 
to the age that Superboy is when he joins the Legion of Superheroes way back in the day uh, so that he can join the Legion of Superheroes in the modern continuity, which is a very, it's a long way to go for that punchline, quote yeah. unquote, you know? Uh, so there's too much of this issue that's going on, frankly, but I am happy to see the Legion back. I like the Legion. I'm curious to see Brian Michael Bendis' take on them. Um, he writes youth characters so well. I think yeah. that'll be a lot of fun. Um, I'm also curious to see what this title is now that he's passed it, because I think ultimately he's been doing a better job with the ground level action comics than he has with the space set Superman title, frankly. Cool. Uh, there you go. Last one to talk about from Marvel Comics, Star Wars Age of Resistance, Poe Dameron, number one. This is by Tom Taylor. Tom Taylor on Twitter was promising some big, exciting things where he said, I couldn't believe that they let me do this, that Lucasfilm and Marvel let me do this in this title. So I was very curious to check out what it is. Um, I think we could spoil it because there's the twist at the end. Uh, Again, one, two, three. Uh, But this is focusing on a young Poe Dameron as he is training with, uh, I'm forgetting what it's called, honestly, just whatever, the Republic. Uh, When he's training with the Republic, uh, he's going on a mission. He's very by the books. And he encounters somebody who teaches him to not quite be by the books, to be a little bit more of a cool flyboy, and encourages him to join the Rebellion because the First Order is not what they seem, and the Republic is weaker than they seem. And the twist at the end is the person who encourages him to do that is Holdo from The Last Jedi, who he clashed with in The Last Jedi. It was like, you don't know what you're doing. You, You get out of here. Who are you even, Admiral Holdo? That was a great twist. It really was. It was very cool. And it was also like, there's a lot of classic Star Wars moments where like, all right, let's go find this. Oh, this ship is just hiding like uh, next to the ship. Classic Star Wars move. Uh, Yeah, I thought this was like a cool kind of understanding about like how to kind of like be who you are and fight for what you believe in, but also be a rebel within that, you know? What I liked about Tom Taylor's writing here, I was initially a little thrown because it didn't quite sound like Poe Dameron to me. I'm so used to uh, Charles Soule on the Poe Dameron series that he wrote, which was superb. He nailed the voice of the character with that. But it took me a little while to realize, oh, this is a younger Poe Dameron. He's not Mm -hmm. quite there yet. And you start to see how Tom Taylor worked in like little hints of his voice throughout Mm -hmm. uh, where he ultimately gets there by the end. Um, I think this is great. I would love to see more of these one shots take chances like that with continuity. I know they can't always, um, but this makes it feel a little more vital for the overall franchise. Definitely does. Yeah. And to your point, great Star Wars book. Guys, uh, that is it for the stack. But before we wrap up, we do actually have one more comment. Uh, This was from On The Stack Podcast. This one was five stars. Thank you. Uh, From Sky Juggler says, Okay, Logan, after listening... Oh, this is a reference to Logan, the guy who suggested we split off the comic book club and the stack feeds. He says, Okay, Logan, after listening to the most recent episode of the live show, I finally understand Logan's point. When there is an obnoxious guest on the show, the show suffers, but that never happens on the stack. Still check out the live show. It's really great in the father's stack. The guests are just comic book geeks. They're not good in public. Oh, oh, man. Oh, boy. All right. Sorry, Sky Juggler. Jeez, I think some of the guests are pretty good. Yeah. I don't know. 
We're all comic book geeks. We're all comic book geeks here. Yep. On this comic book podcast. So it's all good. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, uh, we ask people's opinions. Uh, we got it. You don't always agree with it, but we're glad people are listening and checking out the show. Yeah. Uh, speaking of listening and checking out the show, if you'd like to support the show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do the live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft. Come on by. Our guests are big comic book nerds and a little bit obnoxious, but it should be fine. Pete, what do you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. You can subscribe iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, or the app of your choice. And uh, ooh, I think my pie is done, Pete. You no. want a little taste? No. You want I a don't. little taste? I'll just put a little bit in your if, mouth. If there's just marinara in there with rice, that doesn't make sense. I put a nice sense. marinara and a little mozzarella. <laughs> oh my God, that's not pie. 